Welcome to Startup Success, the podcast for startup founders and investors. Here you'll find stories of success from others in the trenches as they work to scale some of the fastest growing startups in the world. Stories that will help you in your own journey. Startup Success starts now. Welcome to Startup Success. Today we have Marco Gargenta as a guest, and I am really looking forward to our conversation. Marco is currently the founder and CEO of Plus Plus. He has extensive startup experience. Prior to Plus Plus, he founded Maracana, which was acquired by Twitter. And he's also involved with the Sandhill Angels and Start X. So I know Marco is going to have a lot of helpful insights to share today. So welcome, Marco. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Kate. Uh, great being here. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're really busy. So maybe you could start and tell us a little bit about Plus Plus and what you're doing there. Yeah, so, so once upon a time, I, I ran a software training company with my brother. That was Maracana. Uh, oh. And we built it. And then Twitter acquired us in 2013. So we went in-house. And basically, what the leadership there wanted to do is enable Twitter engineers to do their best work, right? And so if you kind of think about what do you need to do best work, you need the right skills. So how do we enable people to have the right skills? So we, we came up with this concept of peer learning where people learn from one another. And then to, to do that at scale, we needed to build a system. So, so we kind of built that at Twitter. It worked well. And then I had this insight, well, if it works there, it's going to work, work elsewhere, right? Other, other companies must have the same issues. So I left Twitter a couple of years later to start Plus Plus to basically recreate the magic of what we did at Twitter elsewhere, right? So essentially what we do is enable democratizing learning at te technology companies first and I, foremost. I like that because that's so critical for those companies, right? You know, mm -hmm. and it's and it's difficult to do while scaling and growing, right? That And you probably add a lot of help to that process for them, I'm guessing. I hope so. I mean, yeah, we, we, we are um, we're fortunate to, to work with some really amazing customers. And so they challenge us a lot, uh, as you can imagine, right? But I'd rather have it that way. Than but does start. that force you to kind of innovate and, you know, make ch changes to what you're offering, I'm guessing, based on their needs? I mean, that's got to be a good thing, right? To get that kind of feedback. Yeah, so, so early on we realized, I mean, ultimately we want, you know, to, to be the default learning platform for, you know, the world, but we figured we start with Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley is sort of paving the future of work. So might as well have the, the initial referenceable customers be from our own backyard, right? And so early on we signed up with Salesforce was our customer one, and then Airbnb, Shopify, LinkedIn, Netflix, etc so you kind of get the idea so these are all like brand, large brand name companies and this is something that's i guess not very typical for enterprise SaaS companies to start from like a handful of like marquee logos usually what i see at least with my peers is you know they, they land some smaller deals and then kind of work their way up we sort of did it the opposite and the advantages and disadvantages to both approaches um so so yeah uh, we just kind of chose to start from the top down so yeah it's 
interesting you say that because when you just rattled off your client list, that was the first thing I thought. That is such an impressive list of clients to start with, especially Salesforce as your first client. So I think that's a testament to what you're doing and offering, right? <laughs> so <Hopefully laughs> that's exciting. And you mentioned something else that caught my ear. You mentioned you started Americana with your brother. So is your yeah. brother involved with Plus Plus as well? Yeah, so him and I were, part, well, we had a whole team, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We were about 15 people at the time of Twitter acquisition. So we built a previous company together, worked on that for eight years. And then we got into, into Twitter, worked on Twitter University together. I left early, I left two years in. He stayed for seven years at Twitter and he just joined us as a head of product. His name is Alexander. So he just joined us in September and now is leading all the product development at, uh, at Plus Plus. So, but yeah, so it's, it's our third venture together, I guess. So. That's great to hear because on so many of these conversations, I hear stories about, you know, difficulties with founding partners and, you know, among the leadership team and the fact that, you know, you're now onto your third kind of venture together and your siblings. I think that says a lot about your uh, relation, uh, you know, very complimentary of your relationship. So tell me about Maracana a little bit more and what it was like to go through the acquisition by Twitter, because I know a lot of people listening today, that's a dream, right? Yeah. Yeah, so 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 at the time of the acquisition, you know, we were we basically owned the company 100%. Two of us, we had no investors. Uh, we were a services company, uh, and so Twitter approaches about acquisition. And so to your point, everyone as an entrepreneur, this is sort of like a dream come true, right? Like a, mm -hmm. a big, you know, internet company is like approaching you and like offering to 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 acquire you. But then once I started like sort of peeling the onion of what the deal looks like. I was like, wait, so I'm going to exchange what I own 100% of fully control and understand for basically a bag of stock, which at the time was private. So A, I can't sell it. B, I don't understand Twitter's business at all. And C, I'm going to be CEO minus who knows what. So I'm going to be like low in the totem pole. And, and so what a lot of people don't know is that we we told Twitter no at least a handful of times, right? We were like, we don't think this acquisition actually makes sense for us, right? And so, but they, they kept pushing and being persistent. And then there was a point in time where I saw something different. So basically it, it's, it was really hard. Like finances are very fuzzy when you project four or five years into the future, unless, unless your CFO is Brookland. Right. <laughs> Most of us can't do that. So right. to me, this like these two options <laughs> were very fuzzy. And it, it boiled down to I looked for three things. I looked for where am I gonna see what it takes to uh, impact billion people, right? Because we were not doing that at Maracana. Then I was looking at where am I gonna be get to meet amazing, amazing people that are gonna inspire me. And at Maracana, we were a tiny team. So I was working the same team for many, many years. I wasn't, I didn't grow that as, mu as much, right? And then C, I wanted to see what it takes to build a company at that scale. And so I was like, cool, I'll, 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 you know, finances aside, because I can't figure them out, right? Didn't have Brooklyn. Let's just take this, let's, let's take the red pill 
and let's go for the you know for the joyride and see you know what we get out of that and so that was that was a journey i got those three things that i wanted to get and uh, yeah that okay that makes the story even better that you said no a few times and then i like how you broke down the three things that made you reconsider because i wouldn't have guessed any of those three things but they're so important I wrote them down. I really like the last one because, you know, I think that's so important. And d- did you find that all three of those things were met? Like, you know, you, you, I mean, I guess you did get to a billion people and I, I'm sure you worked with amazing people at Twitter, correct? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the people, I was just blown. I was like a kid, a kid in a candy store, right? Like, and this is Twitter and Twitter just went public shortly afterwards. And so it was, it was, you know, we were definitely one of the top sort of internet companies at the time. I got to meet with uh, some amazing people. Many of them are now investors in, in, in plus plus. And also like, you know, Twitter was my first full-time job, like to actually work somewhere. Right. And I was like almost 40 years old. And, and so it was interesting to, uh, to go through that experience of actually seeing what professionally run company looks like from the inside <laughs> right so being an entrepreneur so right i'm sure that's given you some good insight now as you're building plus plus right about scaling yeah. and how to organize and what you know kind of teams you need and so you know now that you're involved with plus plus i keep hearing over and over again that founders should be involved in a founder circle or network, how important it is. Are you involved in either of those? I mean, how do you, you know, get kind of real time help from peers that are doing what you're doing? Yeah. So, so as you, as you probably know, um, so both Jeff Brooklyn and I and, and, and six other guys were part of a, a forum, which spun out of entrepreneurs organization, EO forum. So, so we go way back, probably about 15 years back. And so, and we may meet on a monthly basis. And so this is my, this is my peer group. This is, uh, you know, the, the eight, eight CEOs, eight guys I, I get to, you know, interact with and, and compare notes on, on everything. Like it's really deep, deep level of trust, deep connection, and it's 360, you know, business, self, personal, family, everything. Right. So, so that peer group is, uh, hugely profound for me my life beyond just you know as an entrepreneur right you can think of it as a men's group for women i know that's more comes more natural to have those types of relationships i'm very fortunate to have that and then on the other hand uh, i also we we joined stodex which is a stanford uh, accelerator program we we did that a couple years ago and so that's also a wonderful organization so yeah okay and were you involved with either during the acquisition by Twitter? So start so so not with Starix, but uh, okay. but my forum was definitely that was the group that I leaned on. Okay, uh, I was gonna group. say I would yeah. think that you would need somebody, you know, a group of people to lean on during that experience because I'm sure. I mean, now it's a success story and. You know, it's exciting to hear about, but I'm sure at the time it was stressful a bit too, right? Yeah, it, yeah, that was that was definitely yeah, it was super super stressful. 
it was it was sort of one of these like red pill blue pill experiences right like like neo and matrix and so like what do you choose and you know we could have easily chosen the blue pill woke up and forgotten that the whole thing ever happened right and, and kept on a steady path instead we we chose this red pill which had us basically jump into the abyss hoping you know that things are going to work out the the way they did but we had no guarantees right there was very little if any safety net and so kind of computing that figuring that out and you can like a, you know you can try to do that rationally and then you run into a whole bunch of roadblocks because you don't have the data to figure it out rationally right. or you can go emotionally like going deep down into like what feels right mm-hmm. and so definitely you know doing it um, by myself would be a very lonely experience so having a trusted group of peers to to, to lean on it was you know very very required so Right, because it's the decision, like you said, comes down to both the emotional and all, you know, the factual, logical data points. So were there, did anything go wrong in that acquisition where that, you know, that made you second guess your decision that I it just, I'm asking because it would be interesting to highlight to founders that might be going through that right now that then ultimately obviously worked out because it's a success story, but at the time made you second guess which choice you made i mean uh, so it's uh yeah i mean so so we we joined i keep talking about twitter uh, peacetime twitter and a wartime twitter right so when we joined twitter it was the peacetime company right it was free ipo everything was rosy if you like if you wanted to spin up a project you just like you get a headcount you can like you know you, you can do anything you want right and then the ipo came around and then our regime changed we became much more, you know, numbers driven and we had, you know, public markets to report to. And so, so it was very, very different Twitter overnight internally, right? I changed in that, remember how I never had a manager? Well, in that one first year, I think I went through like three or five managers, right? So, so, oh, that's a big change. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I got what I asked for very rapidly. Uh, yeah. So, Okay. Uh, yeah. Those, those are big adjustments to make. Definitely. Yes. Yes. And so you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Stardex. What is mm-hmm. that? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Stardex is a, it's, it's a program that started at Stanford and the idea was to, uh, to, to support Stanford's best and brightest startups, right? And, and the other idea of, in that was, you know, it, it, what I like about Stardex and like other accelerators that, is that it, it's, a, it's a non-profit. So it's not there to take a certain percentage of your equity. It's not, you know, so it's, it, it, that, as a matter of fact, that's the kind of the, the tagline, right? It's for entrepreneurs who don't need to give up equity. And so, so that re- resonated with me. And so we, we joined that in 2019, went, went through the program. What I really, different people get different things out of the program. And and so what I wanted to get out of that is that's sort of like a turning point. For a while I was struggling with, do I want to build what I call a Rhino company? So like a hundred million dollar company that, you know, more or less fully control and and so on. Or do I want to build a unicorn company, which, you know, it's much bigger, but uh, it's a different game. And and there are pros and cons to both. And I was sort of like evaluating those, again, red red pill, blue pill sort of scenarios. Yeah. 
And so we, when we basically decided, or I chose, uh, I want the, the unicorn path, that, that's when statics made a lot of sense. It basically gave us a lot of, um, like, push, challenges to think bigger. And what I, really, what I got out of it is, A, thinking bigger, B, I got an amazing advisor, uh, Mahmoud uh, Panjavani. So, yeah, those are the two things that kind of got the most I like that, challenges to think bigger, because a lot of times I hear that when I talk to venture capital partners, that sometimes in pitches that they hear, the founders are so you know, niche focused, they're not thinking big enough, you know, and so I like how you phrase that. I could see where that would be very helpful. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, you probably still work with the mentor that you, you know, had from startups today, correct? Yes, we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And the nonprofit factor it does. It, it adds a, a nice component to it. And then I saw that you're also involved in Sandhill Angels. So yeah. tell us about Sandhill Angels. I love the name. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, Sandhill, so Sandhill Angels is one of the oldest uh, angel groups in Silicon Valley. Started about 20 years ago. And it was basically it started as a couple of ex operators, um, you know, getting together and saying, hey, let's do a deal flow together. Let's invest together. Right. And so they, then they grew it into an organization. We, we now capped it at about 100 members. And so we've invested in a couple of hundred startups and, you know, it's, it's a pretty active group. The funny story with Sand Hill is so Maracana was a ser services company, right? Software right. training company. At one point, I attempted to raise money and I actually pitched to Sandhill. I actually got invited to, you know, what's called a dinner meeting, which is a final meeting. This is 2007. And then I decided to scrape that and go back to just, you know, not raising money and owning the company 100%. So anyway, so that was that. Was that. And then fast forward post Twitter, we suddenly had some liquidity and I was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna start angel investing, and to learn the ropes, I need to surround my, uh, myself with people who are much better than me, right? So I joined Experience. Sand Hill. <laughs> Experience. Yeah, now I, joined I like Sand that. In, yeah, yeah. So, so I went from pitching them to joining okay. them to being on the board of the organization, and then as I was starting plus plus, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's now time for me to also pitch again to Sandhill. So I stepped from the board and now Sandhill is actually, they led our friends and family around. So now they're investors in the company. So there's all what this a like- great trajectory, yes. Right. They keep swapping the side of the table that I'm sitting yes. in that organization. Yes. So, How did so. you originally get hooked up with them? I forget. It was just one of the angel groups. You know, there's like, there's only a, a handful of reputable angel groups in the Bay Area. So it was one of them. And yeah, so this okay. is, you know, 2007. Yeah. And you've had this trajectory where you've literally played all these different roles with them. I really, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And so, you know, we have a lot of startup founders listening and they always like to hear, you know, what challenges other founders are facing. I mean, what's what are you working on like right now at Plus Plus that's kind of, you know, a challenge for you this quarter right now? 
Yeah, you know, so in a, like being an enterprise SaaS company, there's sort of certain milestones, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you start customer one, then then you want you want to get to that magical product market fit, then a one million ARR, then you know fundraising. All. So there's all this entire sort of uh, sort of journey. And so what we're at right now is still honing in our go-to-market fit, right? Mm-hmm. So while, while we have some amazing logos and they're all renewing and, and all that with us, we don't quite have the motions of how to do that repeatably and predictably. Mm-hmm. We have some of that, but it's not dialed in, right? It's not, it's not fully quite scalable yet. So that go-to-market is, is our next big challenge. So that's that's the main focus. That's a big one. I can see where reaching that predictable nature where you can start to forecast more accurately would be very important for your organization. Yeah. Do you find yeah. it's a little more stressful with investors versus Maracana when you and your brother own the company and we're doing it without? Or do they add you know, some besides just their investment, also some helpful, you know, knowledge and insights? It's a great question. And I particularly was struggling with that, right? So in my entire entrepreneurial career, 20 some years, I never raised money, right? Like I built these businesses, but I did it on my, you know, on credit cards Mm. or, you know, on my own cash. And so I was struggling with that, right? Like it kind of changes everything. Um, right. Once it's, yeah. And I remember, I mean, I had some conversations with, with Jeff Berkland about that and like pros and cons of like, you know, bootstrapping versus you know, having investors and so forth. And then there was a point in time where I was like, okay, well, let's do what I call a safe test. Let's, let's kind of try it out and see what happens, right? And so for us, the safe test was to uh, do a friends and family round. So fun fact, Jeff was actually the, the very first check uh, in that round. <laughs> well, I, I know Jeff, so I'm sure, you know, he did the full financial scrutiny. So I would say the investment is a huge compliment. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we did the friends and family round about a year ago. And, and I was like, wow, actually, there's way more advantages to having investors than not. Like it challenged us again. And I, I kind of appreciate that. Suddenly I had to, you know, we, we chose to do monthly reporting. We, we chose like we had to have dial in our numbers, our processes. And so all that was actually sort of like a part of growing up. And so. I enjoyed it. I, I was like, I should have, you know, that's if I look back, that's one thing I would have done earlier, raise money earlier than, you know, kicking, kicking down the road. So, yeah. What a helpful insight. And I like how you tied it to the fact that having these investors, you know, motivates you to kind of raise the bar a bit with your reporting back and, you know, reaching milestones, I'm assuming. That's really interesting. And I like the safe test with the friends and family round. That's a that's a good way to kind of dip your toe into it. That's exactly it. Yeah, it was it was dipping the toe to see like what is this gonna feel like, right? And uh, and it felt great. So I was like, okay, let's do more. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Any other insights you can share with founders? I mean, you have such a compelling story. You've really done so much. 
Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things I, I early on, I over obsessed about having the right product, uh, having the uh, product market fit. And what I meant by that is we kind of defined it as having customers that are renewing and expanding, right? And so we, we you know, I spend a lot of time on my customer, on customer success, like making sure that that uh, the product is, we are constantly improving it, making sure it, you know, it fits the customer's needs and that they're happy and expanding and renewing. So we did that well, but we did that at the cost of not, not focusing on getting more new prospects into the funnel. And so I over-indexed on product and on customer success at the cost of go-to-market and acquisition. Know, yeah. So, so that was one, like, one thing looking back, I would have probably balanced that a little better. I would have raised money earlier and I would have gotten, you know, somebody to, you know, to own, get building the pipeline. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a fine balance because I was with a startup several years ago and they did the opposite. They pushed the go to market strategy too fast. And so we were in a huge acquisition phase, but the, the product, we kept having issues with the product. So it can go either way. So I, you know, the fact that I do think it's a fine balance. I mean, and it also, I think, speaks to all the success you've had, that that's something you care about, you know, but then you have to figure out how do you get that balance. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Yes. So, you know, you've done so much. You're involved with two great organizations, Sandhill Angels, StartX. Now you're working on Plus Plus. If listeners want to reach out for more information, learn about Plus Plus or some of these other organizations you're involved with, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, I would probably imagine Twitter is uh, is an easy way to reach out to me. I'm just M-A-R-K-O-G, Marco G, at, uh, at uh, my handle on Twitter. I'm also easy to find on LinkedIn and, you know, places like that. So, yeah. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like you shared a lot of real helpful information for those that are on this path as well and you know i know you have even more success in front of you so it was great to chat with you you've been listening to startup success to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player like what you hear tap the number of stars you think the show deserves in apple podcasts for more tools and resources for your own startup success check out berklandassociates.com thank you so much for listening until next time